people need to prepare themselves for this is that when you start being authentic you will start losing influence and you'll start losing all kinds of stuff but if that influence is lost from you being authentic it didn't belong in your life anyway that's good hey everybody well it's nat and nate i'm nate that's I'm Nat. Nat. <laughs> and we're... we're <laughs> this is take two, by the way. Uh, and we're... Uh, we're The second podcast that we're going to do is going to be about the awkwardness of being authentic. And this came about kind of naturally because we got done with our first one. And we were shocked at how awkward and uncomfortable we felt having this thing being out in the atmosphere where everybody could hear it. Yeah, it was it was quite the wrestle. We didn't think it would be. Mm. It kind of took us by surprise because we really try to live our lives totally authentic and, you know, in our relationships and but it hit different for some reason and um so we just kind of want to walk through that like what we what we've found in the last season in um well, and really not just even the last season, but all of our lives of uh, the Lord teaching us authenticity and how it's being played out right now, even in this yeah. moment. Yeah, it was really cool to see um, how many people are, uh, I guess we're inspired or encouraged or whatever by just our kind of raw conversation. Yeah. And we, you know, we do appreciate that. And we're thankful that you guys um, are engaging with us in this. It's something new, something that we feel like the Lord's leading us into. And so to get that feedback was really encouraging. Um, but also we encourage you to disagree with us. You know, if there's something that we say, like, ah, I just don't think that's right. Mm -hmm. um, please, like, comment, um, you know, direct message us, whatever. And so we can talk about it. And um, that's part of this process is wrestling in community. So yeah, I don't want to talk to you, but Natalie will. So message <laughs> <laughs> Natalie. <laughs> you act like you don't like talking to people all day. Okay, that's true. I do. But I do like people. So when we got done with the first podcast, the biggest awkward thing is that we understand that we use different language in our spheres. And there's different um, beliefs and with, understandings. Yeah, beliefs and understandings within within Christianity that are common that we found the Lord challenging us a little bit in this season. And I shouldn't say Christianity, really, right? It's like it's tradition, like our religious tradition that the Lord's been challenging us a little bit in. And similarly for me, most of the people that I talk to on a day-to-day -day basis are not submersed in a Christian environment, so they don't speak Christianese. And so when we were listening back to that last podcast, I was listening to some of the wording I was using. I was like, man, I can't shape my message to Christians, and I can't shape my message to people who are not Christians because I'm not talking to a single person. And I was like, holy cow, I actually need to like find what my language is because I'm so used to shaping my message to try to communicate. Yeah, I was also just wrestling with you know, how people were going to perceive what I was saying because I really am careful with the words that I speak and the ways that I communicate because I don't want someone to, um, you know, take what I say and mishear it and then believe something that's untrue. I take really seriously the scriptures that talk about teachers having, you know, a, a stricter judgment from the Lord because, you know, I, I want to make sure that what I'm saying is true. And so, removing the ability for me to explain what I'm talking about, like in this, in this environment was really, um, really, really hard for me. I think you bring up a good point that it's one of the things that I've really been learning is that as you talk to people more and more is especially with social media is you're responsible for the, for the posture of your heart, right? That's a major phrase of mine that when you speak and when you deliver a message, you're responsible primarily, um, to, 
what, how am I saying this? Like, am I saying this with intentions to help or to hurt? From a, from a biblical perspective, one of the models that I look a lot to is Jesus, when he walked around and gave messages to people, there's often times when he'd go and he'd speak to a crowd, thousands of people. And he'd go and he'd speak this message, and uh, it, a lot of people were super confused. And so after he was done, there were a select group of people afterwards that would come up to him, and they'd be like, Jesus, we didn't understand what the heck you said. Like, what, And probably, Jesus, what you said was offensive. And it was offensive, right? Because mm-hmm. he was flipping stuff. He was flipping some traditions on its head. Yeah. And people afterwards would come up to him and say, Jesus, what did you mean? But Jesus didn't didn't take the time to over explain to people who didn't want to also live in relationship with him. Yeah. Which is crazy for all of us that when you're communicating and when you're being authentic, one of the reasons authenticity is so difficult is because it requires that we be misunderstood and to be okay with people talking behind our backs or saying things about us that are not true and to misunderstand us, knowing that the people who actually want relationship with you will approach you Mm-hmm. to try to understand what you mean. And it's yeah. a good weeding out tool too. That's true. That's true. And it, you know, and it's really easy to um, you know, we we're talking about being in these different environments in in our primary spheres of influence. Um, you know, it's easy to kind of be a chameleon if you don't know who God's made you to be, who you know, the the <laughs> this it's fizz. It's sparkly water. I burped. You can- You're so gassy in these podcasts. <laughs> Continue. What you were oh, saying was good. Oh my gosh, I don't even remember. Oh, <laughs> because of the different environments that we find ourselves in, and sometimes you know, in one day you can walk through. You know, you can go to the grocery store, you can mm-hmm. go to the gym, you can go to work, you can go to church, you can go hang out with this certain group of friends, and you can kind of um, even inadvertently kind of become a chameleon if you're not secure in who you've been made to be. And um, I was reading an article actually about authenticity and I read a quote that really like hit home. It said, um, the, if society had a mantra, it would be, be yourself. No, not like that. <laughs> mm. And it's wow. true. Yeah. What I find is that it's rare that you find people who are really open to being authentic and vulnerable. And, and I found, you know, through the course of being involved with lots of friends group and stuff, that the amount of people who are really, really available to be super authentic and super vulnerable and allow you to be super authentic and super valuable is actually really small. And um, Valuable I, or vulnerable? Vulnerable, sorry. Okay. Authentic and vulnerable. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> is, uh, there's, not, there's not that many people mm-hmm. in the world that I've run across who are really safe like that. And I think that people who are trying to be, who are trying to find their identity and who are trying to find who they are and trying to be comfortable in who they are, um, have this process of repeated relationships where they think they can be authentic and vulnerable with somebody, but then they find out that that person is actually saying, be yourself, oh wait, but not like that. Mm-hmm. And, and being the types of people who actually allow people to be authentic and vulnerable is so powerful because it's so rare. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, because it's rare, there has to be a place where we're so secure in our identity as who the King has made us in his kingdom that when we come across those people who just don't know how to handle authenticity and handle what's on our lives, we're, we're able to live above that, you know, able to live 
from that place of, hey, it's okay that you don't understand, but I've got to, I've got to be faithful to who God's made me to be and mm-hmm. faithful to the message he's placed on my life. You know, if you think about John the Baptist, like he was as out of the box as you can get. And yet he prepared the way for the coming of the King of the, of the Messiah on the earth. And so, you know, if he would have been like, well, my dad's a priest, I'm supposed to live this way. I'm supposed to do this thing. And he didn't go and separate himself out into the wilderness where, you know, he really did become wild inside, you know, wrote that song Mm -hmm. wild inside. And it was from that um, revelation of the wilderness, how the wilderness makes us wild inside Mm -hmm. and, and how, you know, the kingdom has come to release, you know, what he's placed inside of us. And if we don't allow ourselves to really get in tune with that, we're, we're going to, we're going to rob the world of, of what he's put us in this earth in this moment for. Yeah. Part of allowing other people to be vulnerable, part of getting rid of the be yourself, but not like that is, um, releasing the, your need to control other Mm -hmm. people's lives. That's it. Um, Or even your own life. Yeah, I mean that's a great point. You you um, when you get around somebody who, uh, especially someone who leans on you for help, right? If someone comes to you to you or to me and says, "Hey, like I need your help," our the place that we try to live from is okay. I'm available for you, and this is your story, and I'm going to let you live your story. And in the meantime, I'm going to be here to help you find truth in the middle of that story right and um that has been a major like when i think about how i want to live my life it's can i live my life investing in people and part of that is can i help these people find i'm going to say their truth but what i mean by their truth is that help people find find the fullest version of the life that they can live because we talked in the last podcast about the idea of um, there are certain people who their life is designed to, here's a great example. I'm an entrepreneur. And so there's this big push in the entrepreneurial world where they say, get away from your crappy nine to five job. And that's like a common phrase. And so entrepreneurs are like, oh yeah, nine to five job. That's, that's terrible. Get away from that. But there are people who thrive in a nine to five job. Like being an entrepreneur is not for everybody. And not everybody should do it. And so I actually have another friend who's, um, she's made a campaign to fight for the joy of the nine to five. I think that's valuable. It is. And, and, you know, it goes back to knowing who you are and what you're called to. And I think that's, you know, one of the things that the Lord is really bringing the body into um, in this season is really starting to value um, the unique diversity mm. that he's woven into humanity, just mm. the unique giftings and callings and and talents and expressions of his heart. You know, we're missing out on all of that if we don't, um, if we're not authentic, if we're not able to wrestle through and fight through the awkwardness of authenticity into the expression of what he's actually made us to be. And, mm-hmm. you know, and that's one of the mandates on our lives too, is to um, help people walk into that place of identity and to really start to understand what they're called to and what, you know, who God's made them to be. Because we've, we wrestled with that, like just now, still you do. know, yeah, yeah. We're still wrestling with that to some degree, but you know, we're starting to get language, right. We're starting right. to understand like, Oh, this is why, 
I had to wrestle with that my whole life. You know, I always I always tell people that I envy people. <laughs> I always envied people or wished I was one of the people that they feels like they came out of the womb knowing what they wanted to do. Um, you know, you got people that they just wake up and like when I grow up, I'm going to be an actor or I'm going to be a music producer or whatever, you know, whatever it is. And then they they just know that from day one and they go for it and they succeed and they do it, do the thing. And, you know, that was never me. I was always like, well, maybe I want to do this. Well, maybe I want to do that. And it was Mm -hmm. always, God, I want to do what you have for me on my life. Even as a child, that's like what I Mm -hmm. told people when, when they, what do you want to be when you grow up? Whatever God wants me to be. But part of that was like, it's absolutely true. But part of it was like, I have no idea who I am. Yeah. And I think that phrase is super valuable. The, like within the Christian community, the phrase, whatever God wants to do with my life. I think that's such a valuable phrase and it's right. Mm-hmm. I also think it's important to to acknowledge all sides of this coin. So I want to do what God wants me to do is the base desire. And this, are you looking at my hold on hands? Is, hands. <laughs> is the base desire. The second part is that people can get so stuck in the idea of, I want God to tell me exactly what I want to do, that they skirt the responsibility of figuring out themselves and their own desires and their own wants, because if God actually made you in your mother's womb and knit you together, then he hardwired certain desires into you. And I actually think this idea of being both authentic and vulnerable, if we can challenge ourselves to constantly find that, which is uncomfortable. Very. If we can challenge ourselves to constantly be both authentic and vulnerable, I think that would actually, I don't want to say the word fix, but I think it would fix a lot of the issues that people find with being able to find their identity. Authentic, yeah. vulnerable. And the one, uh, I'd like to get your your thoughts on this, but probably the biggest number one thing that I've found in talking to people who are trying to find their um, their authentic selves, their identity, they're stuck with their lives and they're trying to find that next platform of what would God have me do in this next phrase, next phase of life. And the number one thing that I'll, I'll do is pause someone and say, Hey, if you got rid of everything that you thought you were supposed to be, and you got rid of all of the layers of how you think you should be and just just were authentic and real about what you want to be, what would that be? And it is amazing the amount of freedom that people find when they're actually given permission to just say, this is what I want. Because it doesn't matter if you're in the faith community or if you're not in the faith community, everybody has these layers of things that have been put on them as expectations. Absolutely. And so now they're trying to live up to this idealized version of themselves and they can't because it's not real and they feel lost. And when they do drive after this thing, that is an idealized version of themselves that isn't actually what they want. They feel depressed. And so the first step is to be able to actually say, you know what? I know this is hard for me because someone told me this is wrong, but this is what I really want. And that becomes a launching board and it opens up this whole different box of like, wow, I can actually like explore what I want in life and it can be valuable. You know, I've heard you talk about that before. And part of the thing that I love when you talk about this topic is when you talk about, you know, walking through people through that process of finding what is it that they really want? What are the, you know, some language you use sometimes is what is your core drivers? What are your core drivers? Um, I love how you say, you know, what's the redeemable quality of those things? Because Mm -hmm. sometimes somebody might say, well, I just want to 
get rich and like whatever and and is a christian you know, like you read the scripture and you're like well that's not supposed to be my ultimate gain is to right earn money so um how, how would you come you know come into aligning a um a desire that might seem that's authentic for you but might seem anti-kingdom i heard the phrase one time that the devil isn't a creator he can only twist what already exists and i love that phrase um because Every quality that we have has a positive side to it, in my opinion. I'll talk to people who think that they, who say that they have like major anger issues, right? And so they're like, oh, I just get angry so quickly. And I'm like, well, let's break that down. What do you get angry at? And it turns out that they get angry when they see injustices. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so really what that is, is it's a righteous anger to fight against injustice. Okay, well, where could that have a positive place? And that does have a positive place. Absolutely. Let's say somebody loves money, like loves making money. And they're like, oh, you know what? I just can't make money. Like, that's not a good thing. Well, making money is a super positive thing. Because it's we, not money that's the root of all of us. The love of money and the yeah. putting, the exalting money above, above yeah. the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you can get that, that love for being able to make money and accept that that's part of who you are and actually be authentic about it and stop thinking that it's just wrong, it can actually become a gift that people can benefit from. It reminds me of the parable of the talents, you know, where, where the master comes and he gives his servants three different, um, you know, increments of talents or gifts and he goes away and he comes back and finds out what they did with them. And, you know, the, the one that was given the most he is, has multiplied them, and the one that's given the least has just buried it in the sand because he was afraid of the master. And you know, if we if we don't take the time, if we just bury our stuff and bury um, what he's given us, and and hope that he'll dig it up and use it someday, and don't actually look and say, oh wow, I've got these. How how can I use them? How mm -hmm. can I how can I put them to use in the kingdom? Then the kingdom is not going to get its reward. Yeah, yeah, and and that becomes really difficult when the talent that you're burying is one that you don't think has value. Mm -hmm. That's good. So you have a talent that doesn't look like everybody else's. And because it doesn't look like else, anybody else's, or in some cases, because you haven't had a mentor or a leader actually like validate it in you and tell you that it's worthwhile, um, there's a tendency to bury it. And I, you know, I can speak from experience. I absolutely did that for a period of years, burying portions of my talent because I wasn't around people who really understood my talent. And um, I ended up getting connected with some people who did understand my talent. And I all of a sudden found out that I wasn't alone and that there were people all over the world who thought, like, I'd tell them about me my you know my weirdness what i was struggling through and they're like oh yeah i'm like what do you mean oh yeah I'm like oh yeah that's 100 percent. like i know this guy and this guy and this guy who are like this and all of a sudden i found found validation in it but it actually allowed me to open up and actually be able to consider that the talent that i had was useful and was actually given by god for an area isn't it weird that we think that just because we're not surrounded by people with the same talents that it's somehow less useful as mm -hmm. if God would fill a house with people who all have the exact same skills, even though we talk about verses all the time that not everybody can, you know, there's, you need a lot of different people to work in community. So yeah. that's striking me as strange all of a sudden. It, it is, but you know, it's that, it's the, it's the fear of, of rejection. It's the fear of mm, wanting of, to fit in. Yeah. Of wanting to fit in and be, be accepted. And, 
And so, mm. you know, it's, it's easy to get sucked into that. If you, if you do not know, first of all, that you were created with value, mm -hmm. that when God created you, you already had value. Mm -hmm. That when God formed you in your mother's womb, he had all these amazing thoughts about you and, and plans for your life that every day of, of yours was written in his book. Like if you have that knowledge and you have the understanding of who God's actually made you to be, you're not gonna waste your life trying to be like everybody else and trying to fit in to a body part you don't belong to. You know, the, the Bible talks about Christ being the head of the body. And, and we talked a little bit about this in the last episode, but you know, the, each of the parts working in conjunction. And I love what Johnny Beard, um, a prophet that we used to know, he used to say, a pinky on the hand, now that's useful. A pinky over there, now that's just nasty. <laughs> <laughs> and so many pinkies and toes and arms and legs have gone missing from the body because they didn't think they fit in. So I actually had a, um, uh, it was a high, he was a high school band teacher. His name was Mr. Lee. And it was, I went to a religious uh, high school. So, um, I was really actually appreciative for the amount of time that the teachers spent investing in me. But this one particular guy, he came up to me one time, pulled me aside in the hallway and he said, Nate, I see two people. He's like, I see one dude on the stage, uh, you know, worshiping and being a certain way. But then I hear you talking in the hallway, which I was like, ooh. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, that's not the same guy. And he was like, I want to challenge you to be a man of integrity. And um, I think integrity is a good word. But I think I would change that wording now because integrity challenges you to kind of have the same moral code. But I think you can hold the same moral code and still withhold authenticity mm -hmm. from people. It's one thing to have the same internal morals. It's another thing to be open with people and to learn how to communicate with people despite differences. But the biggest thing is that being authentic carries with it a huge risk for loss. Mm -hmm. And um, human beings, I think, have a big uh, draw to trying to maintain power yeah. and maintain control and get rid of loss. And when you're authentic, you accept that honestly communicating with people carries with it the risk of losing what they think of you as a person. Uh, you can lose them as a friend and you can lose the power that comes with people thinking of you a certain way. Yeah. And the control of being able to, I mean, the, the ability to control that narrative of uh, how, they, the scenario. how they see you, how they interpret you. Yeah. Um, and Which is what we did in the first, that's why the first episode was so was, yeah, uncomfortable. So uncomfortable, but you know, it, and that's why we, you hear all the time, people saying that the kingdom is countercultural because um, it's really the kingdom. When we say yes to the kingdom of God, it's a saying, it's saying yes to admitting our weakness, admitting, you know, that we, we need God. We need someone bigger than us. And that, you know, that's that true strength is actually found in submitting our weakness to the cross. And, and if we're not able to admit that we're weak or to, you know, especially with people that, you know, we're now in the stage of life where we're starting to disciple people and, and bring people into yeah. what he's, he's brought us through. And if we're not able to say, man, I, I'm, I was really weak in this area or I am really weak in this area, but this is what I found in my weakness is that he is strong and that in my weakness, when I do this, 
he comes in and, and he, he supports us and he, you know, and he encourages us and he teaches us. But if we're, you know, if we're always trying to put on the face and, and whatever, then we're not, we're not going to get it. Mm -hmm. That when you talk about, um, uh, what you just talked about mentioning the idea of inviting people into your vulnerability and your authenticity, it's a tricky, it's a tricky balance because there are people who are vulnerable and tell you about their vulnerabilities, but they're not actually being vulnerable, which is a weird thing. They'll, they'll expose their vulnerabilities for the purpose of gaining your trust and actually leveraging their power up. <laughs> and it's sneaky, right? Because those people feel like they're doing the right thing, but if they really paused and really examined themselves, they'd find out that they're actually manipulating the scenario. And when I say they, I mean, I've done this in my life. Like I can point out multiple, we just lose a light, we just lost a light. There have been there have been multiple scenarios in my life where where I have been guilty of that process, right? I've had to pause and and recognize that it's a thing that I have had the tendency to want to do and to really face it myself and recognize that I have this thing where I know that I have the ability to manipulate people. And that's like even right, like I'm saying this in a recorded podcast, like I have the ability to manipulate people's emotions mm-hmm. and they get them to think of me a certain way. And so um, one of the first places that I started facing this, this, um, uh, one, that I started letting go of my ability to control the narrative was actually showing up to church grumpy on purpose. And there was, there was a period. Well, of- not on purpose, but just if you felt grumpy. Yeah, you showed up grumpy. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, in that season, church was making me grumpy. So, <laughs> so, but but walking in the room and showing up with my actual grumpy face on was really hard for me. But I forced myself to do it because it's the emotion that I was actually feeling. And um, what I was doing is letting go of one thing that I really wanted to control, which was people thinking that I'm a godly good person. And that was probably the hardest thing for me to let go of is to understand that I'm going to walk in with a frown on my face. People are going to see me and they're going to ask questions. And there's going to be some commentary about me about like wondering what's wrong with Nate? Like, is Nate okay? And being okay, letting that actually happen was my first step to making sure that I wasn't using godly things to manipulate people. Mm. And that was hard, really hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, if, both of us obviously have grown up in in Christian community and and I think and I don't think this is exclusive to Christian or Christianity right. or Christian community. This is just our experience. So I think it happened you know, it, it happens all over the globe in different communities where's that where's there's this expectation of well in this situation this is how we're going to act and we have to, you know, and especially I, th- I think especially though there is the um the tendency as Christians to be like, oh, well, you know, he's given us joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And if I'm not exhibiting those things and they're going to think that I'm not saved or they're going to think I'm blah, 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 or I'm afraid they'll ask questions and then I'm going to break down because I'm really struggling and I'm just not ready to process that. Or, you know, there's a, there's a whole bunch of different reasons why we put on the face, so to speak. But, um, a lot of it is self-preservation and, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's that fear of being truly seen and truly known because 
we don't really actually have it all together all the time. Right. But that's real. That's Ever. real life. And if we're not able to show people that, then how how the heck are we gonna how are the heck are we gonna invite them into um, real kingdom living because they're just gonna be they're just gonna be acting. It's not true. Yeah. Well for and for me, right, this is the area where we went through this this rough patch where um I explore my own internal makeup by poking holes in the things that I've believed in a previous season. Which terrifies me. Yeah. <laughs> yes. To be brutally honest. So we'd have these conversations where you would like full out like scared breakdown and ch- challenge the things that I was saying. And then I'd get mad at you because I'm like, I need to process this stuff. And then, but you're speaking heresy. And then you, you're heresy. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not speaking heresy. I'm trying to figure this out. Uh, one of the things that we've chosen to do as a married couple is just really is continuously show up for each other. It's hard for us to comment on other people's um, spheres because we've grown up in a primarily Christian-based sphere for a really long time. Well, since birth, you know, both yeah. went to Christian schools, K through 12. Yep. Um, so We've been Christians in church all our whole, our whole lives. So. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't really know what happens in other communities, but one thing that was really important for me was having a group of people who were not Christians, who also are really loving people because what they brought with them was a completely different perspective than the one I had always had. And I'm going to say that the previous perspective that I was in had served me as far as it was going to serve me. And because no specific tradition encompasses the totality of God. What I'm not talking about is like me also becoming a Buddhist and me also becoming, you know, right. what, that's not what I'm talking <laughs> about. What I'm saying is that there's a certain, there are mentalities contained within that box. And God is way bigger than that box. I love what Richie Seltzer says about that. He says, um, if you honor, he was talking about how he went to Baptist church and these different, you know, denominations that you see a lot of division in that. And I feel like the Lord's bringing that back, like bringing unity into the body in that area. But he said, you know, if you honor, um, if you honor a, what's the word I say? A denomination, you'll receive their grace because each denomination carries a different grace for something. Yeah, that's so good. Well, and even, and even, you know, outside of that, like there are, there are people who study psychology as an example, right? And so being able to understand psychology just on its own has value because it has, it shows us a different angle of our brain. And so for me, one of the most valuable things that I ended up stepping into was um, having groups of people in my life who didn't have my charismatic evangelical background but cared about people a lot, um, chose to study human psychology to try to understand human behavior, and gave me perspectives that were super valuable. And even biblical. Yeah. So back to the idea of authenticity. Um, I think working through the awkwardness of becoming authentic is really important for all of us because we start out our lives walking through a series of systems that are school and organized religion and teams and parents' expectations that all teach us that there's something external that we're trying to conform to. And there's a next step in the evolution of us as human beings, which is that we need to start understanding how we're built and really accepting that and becoming more authentic with that. 
And if you even go, you know, I've talked to people who get to 50, 60, 70, 80s or 80 years old and have really not actually gone through this process through the for the first time. So once you get through college, if you haven't done that, now you get into a job and now your job is telling you who you should be. And then you get out of your job and you retire and your friends are telling you who you should be. And so going through this process of sitting with a few friends and saying like, hey, you know what? This feels awkward for me. but this is how I feel and this is what I like, I think is very important. Yeah. And, and I think it's important to, to know that, you know, that you're going to get it wrong in this, like in this, yeah, a lot. <laughs> in this process of learning how to be authentic. Um, because there is, there is a place where there's, you know, there's different levels of authenticity that you go with, with different people and different, you know, different environments. You're not going to go into the grocery store and start like you know, spilling your guts on somebody, hopefully, you know, um, unless, I don't know, maybe you need to sometime, but, <laughs> but you, you know, that's not going to be the general way, um, that you live your life is kind of exploding on everybody, all of, all of what's inside of you. So there are, you know, there are those different kind of levels of, of depth that you go with people. Um, and so I think that's important to, to note too, that like, yes, um, it's a messy process because you have to learn how to be authentic and kind of, find out and go through the process of figuring out what is an expectation that I've placed on myself or that has been placed on me by, by a culture that other than heaven's culture, you know, whether it's work, parents, family, friends, what, you know, whatever it is. Um, and, and start to remove those things and it can get a little messy. Um, but the other thing I wanted to talk about in this, in, you know, the, uh, the awkwardness of authenticity is, um, you know, as we were kind of wrestling with this as, as we released our first episode, I was like, honestly, I was like, almost like Nate, take it down <laughs> because it was that uncomfortable for me to you have. You did say that, didn't you? For a second, like maybe we should take this down. No. You texted me the next day. <laughs> like I'm really struggling. I don't think I told I said, I said part of me wants you to, but I know that's not what we're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> that's not what we should do, but there's that I was feeling it so deeply of like, oh my gosh, like, this just feels so raw, raw, roll, <laughs> roll, roll out, <laughs> real and vulnerable roll is what out. I was trying to say. Um, but as I was kind of wrestling through that process, I was listening to my Bible app and I started listening to the, um, the parable of the sower in Matthew 13. And, you know, in that parable, Jesus is talking about how there's a farmer and he scatters seed on three different types of soil. One is the the rocky soil, one is the thorny soil, and one is the good soil. And I was just thinking, as I was meditating on that scripture and on that story, I started thinking about how um, in this process of, of, you know, making this podcast and kind of letting out what's been placed inside of us, it's really like seeing the seeds grow that have been hidden and it can be really uncomfortable because you don't see the fruit yet right when it first starts breaking the ground <laughs> you you know that something's been planted and you're pretty sure it's good um but you're not sure 100 percent yet if it's a weed um or if or if it's fruit and so the process of of watching that thing break through the ground and, and you know coming out of that place those seeds coming out of hiddenness um you know that's really the hardest part of growth you know, even in a seed's life, you know, there's the, the roots go down first and then, you know, the seed has to break through the shell or the, um, you know, the shoot has to break through the outer shell of the seed and break through the ground. Mm -hmm. And, and it's, it's a, it's a hard process sometimes. And so I think in the process of, of finding 
what it looks like for each of us to be authentic, which by the way, looks different for everybody, which Very makes different. it more confusing um, and more awkward, I guess, if we're talking about the awkwardness. Um, you know, we really have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable mm -hmm. and get comfortable with trusting that he who started a good work in you is faithful to complete it. Mm -hmm. That the seeds that God's planted in those hidden places, in those hard places, in those um, those wrestling, those those struggling places, even sometimes, um, that as you water them with His Spirit and with His Word, as they break the ground, that it's going to bear good fruit. And mm -hmm. so, really, I think it all comes down on into a couple things. One, reliance on the goodness of God. Um, to lead you, <laughs> reliance on on who he's made you to be and who he says you are uh, before anybody else's definition of you. And and just committing, like, I mean, you talked about our marriage, but committing to show up ag again and again for the process and, and let him have his way in your life. Mm -hmm. What I've realized is that if you're actually diving into authenticity, you will feel uncomfortable. And you will feel awkward. And if you're the kind of person like me, I tended, before I started becoming really authentic, I thought that I was just comfortable in most scenarios. And I'm actually uncomfortable most of the time now. You just hide it really well. <laughs> yeah, people don't think I'm uncomfortable. But I actually feel awkward most of the time. But I've learned to live with awkwardness. Mm. I've learned that it's actually, it's actually a positive thing. And it lets me know that I, I am where I'm supposed to be rather than trying to run from it. The other thing that I wanted to give out as a tool is um, what really helps with going into authenticity, if, you have, if you're not used to doing this yet, is um, starting a phrase, communicating to the person that you're talking to, that this makes you feel uncomfortable. Mm, yeah, that's so good. And this is one of the main things that when Natalie and I started going through this, I would often come to her and be like, hey, this makes me feel really uncomfortable to tell you. And for some reason that opened up the door for me to actually be authentic. Well, and it it gave me the opportunity to be prepared with a response that honored your authenticity mm -hmm. and your vulnerability because, you know, what you know, whether it was a hard topic or just something that you were wrestling with um in the moment, if you would have just said it without prefacing with, "Hey, this makes me uncomfortable," I might have responded in a way that would have shut you down, but since you said that, I was able to respond with grace and with um, and returned vulnerability instead of a boundary or a, um, you know, kind of a, an attack back, you know, if it was something that maybe you were communicating to me that you weren't unhappy with or were hurt with what I was saying or doing. And mm -hmm. so I think that's, that's such a good tool. I'm glad you brought that up of, of learning to communicate your vulnerability and your awkwardness of authenticity. It, it seems redundant because you feel like everybody, I feel like when you, when you're feeling awkward, you feel like everybody knows you're feeling awkward mm -hmm. and everybody's like, you feel like all eyes are on you and you're like, Oh my gosh, they know how I feel inside. But most mm -hmm. of the time they don't. Most time people aren't, are probably thinking the same thing about themselves. Yeah. <laughs> this in the, in this one, this one issue, this one issue of being authentic is the one area that is the key to allowing yourself to grow in an area where you're stuck because like if you get into i don't i have no idea how to garden so i'm going to say some stuff and you just tell me if i'm wrong <laughs> wrong but but i imagine that there are certain types of fruit and certain types of seed that need relatively little help you basically throw them at the ground and then they grow as long as they have some sunlight and they have some rain and they have some semblance of non-frozen soil they're going to grow but then there, I'm right so far. So far, so good. Oh, good. 
But then you have other plants that are specialty plants that you want to make grow, and they require a lot more care. Mm-hmm. Water them at certain times. They need certain types of sunlight. They need certain whatever. And to me, it's you get to a point in your life where you've pretty much grown all the generic plants that you can, and now it's time to grow something a little bit more I don't want to say special, but a little bit more specific to you. Mm-hmm. And those specific seeds that really make you, your, someone bras out the beauty of your unique identity and really the gift that you are to the world, they need more care and they need more time spent understanding them. And so basically what I'm trying to say is that you can't grow what you don't understand mm. and you won't understand it unless you're authentic about it because we need community to help us understand and to help us grow that's how we were built we were designed to live in community with each other and another way of saying this is you can't give to god what you don't own and i think that's why this topic of authenticity authenticity this is so important and it it does belong as our second podcast because it is this this one if we could get this one issue tackled of learning how to be authentic and learning how to help other people be authentic with us um, I think that we as people would just grow in in tremendously helpful ways. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, just going back to what you just said about, you know, knowing, like you can't submit to God something that you don't know or something that you don't have or own. It's like if you don't know um, what he's put inside of you, if you're not willing to go through that process of, of figuring it out and all the uncomfortable vulnerability, all that stuff. Um, I love the example that you give, that you gave to me one time of, um, you know, it's like asking or somebody, your neighbor asking you to help them build a house. And you're like, yeah, I got a shed full of tools. Of course I'll help you, but you've never opened the shed. And so you might have all the tools that you need to build the house, but if you've never opened the shed, mm. how are you going to help them build the house? Mm-hmm. I said that, huh? You did. And you're so smart. That's pretty smart. <laughs> yeah, it was good. I used it in a sermon. In fact, <laughs> oh, it was <laughs> so good. <laughs> but all that to say, um, we, you know, this is something that we're very passionate about. Um, passionate about it because we're in process with it and we will continue to be there's always more levels and more more stuff it's something that we've um that we've really learned to value in our relationship and in our relationships and in our in our communities and so i guess like the final thing unless you have something else you want to say um is just to challenge you guys to um to start down this path if you haven't already or to continue down this path of embracing the awkward of authenticity and to find people um that you can have those conversations with and say hey this makes me feel awkward but um this is how i'm feeling or this is what i'm dealing with this is what i'm struggling with this is what i really want in life but i don't know if it's righteous and um and and seeing the kind of fruit that comes from that because i think I think you'll be surprised. If you find yourself surrounded by people who are not authentic, you're not authentic. And what I mean by that is that authenticity automatically breeds authenticity. If you're vulnerable, people will be vulnerable. And so if you find yourself having put up walls against people and trying to shut yourself in because you feel like every time you open yourself up, you've been, uh, you know, you've been bitten or backstabbed or or people haven't been authentic with you um you need to pause for a second and realize that you you have 
you've that's what you've been doing too. Hmm. Um, I have found that as I've become more truly vulnerable and more truly authentic, and I've taken some lashings for doing that. I've I've been in some scenarios where I decided to be authentic, and uh, and with people that I trusted, right? And I I stepped out on the limb and I decided to be authentic, and I was bitten in the exact way that I thought they were going to bite me. And what I chose to do with that was to say, okay, I understand that these people are not people who I can be this way with, but I want to be authentic in my life. And so for me, I started to move those people out of my life and for a period of time, practice how to be authentic because I needed to, I just needed to practice that for a period of time. Um, and it's okay to do that for a period of time. It's mm-hmm. okay to shuffle relationships around. Um, and it's okay to fight for authenticity. And in the middle of that whole thing, what you really find is that God will bring different people into your life. Or he'll restore those relationships as you grow. And as you learn how to model authenticity, some of those relationships will come back. And they'll see it. And they'll be like, man, I see what's happened in your life. And I want that in mind too. Yeah. Yeah. It's important to allow... Um, when you, like you were talking about those conversations that you had that where they, you got bit, um, sometimes that is a sign that, Hey, Hey, this isn't, this isn't a relationship that needs to be here right now. And some, and, and that's hard. That can be really hard, um, to allow those things to leave and, um, those relationships, especially if you have a lot of history or, um, you know, attachment to those, those people or those relationships. And sometimes you can't completely let them go, but you know, there's different ways that you have to separate yourselves from people. But, um, I guess I just encourage you guys to, you know, let, let the Lord draw you out into the wilderness sometimes like John the Baptist and to, you know, to get away and in the place where he teaches you who you are. Um, and you're able to go deep with him. And, and then, like you said, at the right time, he'll bring, he'll bring your people around and, Mm -hmm. and, and it will be better than you could ever imagine. One of the things that you will find yourself losing, and um, people need to prepare themselves for this, is that when you start being authentic, you will start losing people, and you will start losing some statuses, and you will start losing positions, and you will start losing influence, and you'll start losing all kinds of stuff. But if that influence is lost from you being authentic, it didn't belong in your life anyway. That's good. And getting rid of those things um, as a happenstance of being truer to the call on your life may be the first step in you actually growing to the fullness of who you were meant to be. Because the time and the energy required to maintain statuses and relationships and positions that weren't meant to be a part of your life pulls you away from the race that you were meant to run. It's very inspirational right now. That's good. (laughs) That's good. So with that, I guess we say be authentic and be awesome. Hey. (laughs) 